The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato. Commercial Appeal Sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. We are coming to you uh, a couple days before the Tigers return home to take on Wichita State at FedEx Forum. They are coming off a dramatic 61-59 win over Temple over the weekend. Kendrick Davis adding to his lists of... uh, Achievements as in in this one special season as a Memphis Tiger hits a buzzer beater, high degree of difficulty buzzer beater to rescue the Tigers uh, from another potentially heartbreaking loss uh, on the heels of that heartbreaking UCF double overtime loss. Uh, it keeps them. I don't know if a float's the right word, but just it just felt like a, a really important win for the team's morale and the team's momentum, even if on paper it won't really be viewed as a big win given Temple's status as a team this season. Um, But uh, interesting moment for them as a program, as a team, battling injuries uh, and playing a game that was really, really ugly for a large majority of it, a lot of missed shots. Uh, But they eke out a win, and now... uh, look ahead to a a bunch of more games that are going to be kind of a lot like that temple one where, you know, you don't get a lot of juice from winning it, but you can really damage yourself by losing them. Uh, So uh, it's a, it's a fascinating time uh, for this Memphis basketball team Muns, Let's start here. Um, How worried were you? Did you think, did you think they would ult- like at what point did you think they were going to pull that game out? Was it not until that shot by Davis went through the net? No, no. I thought when DeAndre hit those two free throws, um like when I think yeah, he blocked a shot under the basket with like 15 seconds or something like that left. Um mm-hmm. and the game was tied. Yeah, and then, and then goes to the free throw out. line with 12.9 seconds left. Yeah, and like when that happened, I was, and then he hit him. I was like, okay, uh, you know, or no, they were so yeah. Memphis was up one. They extend the lead to three mm-hmm. in that scenario. That that when he hit those two free throws, I was like, all right, it's it's uh, you know they're golden. And um, then <laughs> Elijah McCadden just kind of like has a bit of a a brain fart if if you will um gets kind of lost gets mixed up on defense and leaves Damian Dunn wide open for that three pointer so i i would say that i was convinced after deandre hit those two free throws um mm-hmm. that it was over uh but it, you know that's not the case um Kendrick Davis had to uh had to deliver some strong, like a strong message to Jonathan Lawson by all accounts, um, in order to get that. Believe the uh, believe the words he said he used were Johnny, give me this damn ball. 
Uh. <laughs> yeah, and he said it last night on the radio show too. Like he 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 he, you know, like I like Kendrick Davis might be the best, one of the better storytellers uh, that I've ever covered. Like mm. coach, athlete, who you know, whatever. Like he tells just such great stories. Like he, I was talking to the to the to Jeff Brightwell and Dan O'Brien after the radio show last night, and like he knows what you want. Like from a from an interviewer's standpoint, like he knows what you want to hear, but he doesn't say stuff just because you want to hear it. Like he tell he just he know, he knows how to tell a good story and uh, and and he knows how to write a good story, a good ending, and that's that's exactly what happened uh, in that Temple game. He uh, he came up he came up huge with that shot that kind of was reminiscent of that Kawhi Leonard uh, shot in Game Seven of uh, that playoff series when he was with uh, Toronto. Um, now the to- the difference is my my partner on the radio Jeffrey Wright pointed this out. Difference is that Kawhi Leonard shot like bounced all around the yeah. rim and was kind of lucky to go in. Kendrick Davis hit nothing but net basically on that shot. And I think he was closer to the baseline too, Kendrick. I, I think Kawhi. I don't think Kawhi was behind the backboard when he when he let go of his. But he did. Now to be fair to Kawhi, he did have to take the ball from the top of the key all the way around to the to the other yeah. side. But he had time to do that. So anyway, it was it was reminiscent of that. Um, but you're right. No, Kendrick hit it. Uh, Kendrick hit it smoothly. Uh, nothing but net. And, um, you know, yeah, like, I don't know if, if I wrote about it in my mailbag today and you and I had kind of talked about it, about how similar it was to the Tulsa game last year that sparked Memphis on that 12, one, you know, to win 12 of their, of their next 13 games, um, you know, they were down in the second half against a team that's not very good. Um, they were shorthanded last year at Tulsa. They were missing Jalen Duran, DeAndre Williams, and Monty Bates, and I think Landers Nolly. Um, and and they they battled back and and won and it it kind of it was an it, ugly game too, like same yeah. same sort of deal. Um with a big comeback. Yeah, we, no, we'll see. Uh, before we dive into moving forward, I wanted to just break down a couple moments there that you detail because they did they were down they're up three with 12.9 seconds ago and my immediate thought was do not let temple take a three-point shot here foul before yeah. they you know it was the, the the classic debate up three do you foul or do you let them play it out and my gut instinct immediately was and i think a lot of memphis fans who remember the 2008 national championship game their gut instinct was foul um, you know, let them, you know, pressure. I, my thought was you pressure them till they get over half court, then you foul and you send them to the free throw line. Now yes. the counter to that is Memphis was getting destroyed on the offensive glass in that game, destroyed right. on the glass in general in that game. Yep. Worst yep. off worst rebounding differential of the Penny Hardaway era, um, for Memphis. And if you put them at the free throw line, they make one and then miss, and then you set yourself up for them getting a putback or something like that. Despite all that, despite the fact Temple was shooting the ball horribly from three-point range, other than Damian Dunn, and despite the fact Memphis was getting clobbered on the glass, personally, I still thought the better play was (laughs) fouling up three. And obviously, Penny could not account for, ultimately, you know, 
Elijah McCadden and Keontae Kennedy had a miscommunication and left the one guy on Temple who had hit some threes in that game wide open. Um, and it did look like, and Kendrick Davis admitted, like there was a deja vu factor given what had happened in the UCF game. And so I was, you know, if they had lost that game, I would have been pretty critical of Penny's decision there not to foul um, yeah. because I just thought it was the better play. I, some people mm. argue otherwise, but I feel pretty good that, like, he should have fouled there. And Penny even admitted after the game, usually he does decide to foul in that those situations. But for whatever reason, he didn't give the exact reason. Um, they decided not to in that situation, um, up three with 12.9 seconds ago. Now, on the flip side of that, I thought Penny made a hell of a call after that three-pointer was made, Kendrick Davis is rushing up court to try and score a last-second bucket, and he called timeout as Davis was driving into the lane. And, yeah, he was in the lane, but he was surrounded by defenders, um, and not a lot of coaches would have done that, I think. And, frankly, Penny didn't do it in the UCF game. He didn't call timeout after UCF hit that game-tying three and let Kendrick Davis just go. And Davis settled for that step back three pointer that, you know, was regrettable in the moment. And Davis said the other day he regrets in retrospect. He was thinking about it all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls that timeout with 2.9 seconds or two. Yeah, I think it was 2.9 seconds left. Two point, maybe 2.1. Yeah, um, 2.1. 2.1 seconds left and draws up this play that ultimately results in Davis hitting the game winner. Um, so I thought a really good timeout by Penny Hardaway sh- and, and frankly, like showed like, you know, especially given what had happened in UCF, like a willingness to, you know, sort of alter his thought process, if you will. Um, so I'll, I'll say this though. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he said on radio last night that, and we're, cause we're recording this, uh, what is today? Tuesday afternoon. Um, he said on radio Monday night that he was waiting to, to like, he was waiting to see what Davis like, created, how how it was like unfolding before he called a timeout. He wanted to see if like they were going to all collapse on him or whatever. And uh, he's kind of lucky that he even got the timeout. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, it was I well guess. executed, though, ultimately, like that. Oh, yeah. You know, it's walking a tightrope. But like, that's your job as the head coach, like, you I know, did. and he did it well. I thought I, I thought he handled the whole thing real well. Um, in that, that sequence and, uh, and Memphis gets a win that, you know, like, I'm, I'm not saying if they had lost the game against temple, that their NCAA tournament hopes would have been over. They certainly would have been on the outside looking into the bubble, but they could have, you know, in practicality played their way back into the tournament. Um, even if they lost to temple, but I just think from a morale standpoint and a psyche standpoint, they lose that game in what would have been pretty heartbreaking fashion after losing to UCF in heartbreaking fashion, I, I thought Kendrick Davis put it well. Like there are moments in a season that can like bury a team. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I would have worried that that, that losing back-to-back games like that would have done that to this team, especially with the injury situation they're dealing with. So it, it all felt like the way I phrased it in my column at commercialpill.com, it was more than one shot and one win in some ways because of the circumstances leading into it and the circumstances leading out of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, uh, it, there, I, I don't, I just don't think it's too much of a stretch to compare. I mean, you know, we got to wait and 
see how it all how the rest of the season goes but like you know it, it's it, it it's it's got the potential i mean penny hardaway's teams play better starting around now um mm-hmm. and you know like it's it's just it's i don't think it's too much of a stretch to think that this could be uh at the very least could be um the catalyst the type of catalyst that last season's tulsa game was where they you know they had lost three straight going into that game they had lost two or three going into this game if everybody remembers that it was that it was after the uh third straight loss before the Tulsa game when Penny had his uh viral uh moment his viral stupid rant. effing questions stop asking yeah. me stupid effing questions yeah and you know he didn't have to do that after the Temple game he you know like uh but you know uh, or he didn't have to do it after the UCF game um but but still there i think there's a lot of parallels between the the temple win and last season's Tulsa win and we, you know we'll see we'll see if it uh if it's if it's some sort of spark yeah no it's interesting so where they sit now they are uh 46 in the net um right behind UCF they are um 36 in Ken Palm um, and, uh, Joe Lenardi, as of the recording of this on before Tuesday night's games has them as one of his last four buys mm-hmm. into the NCAA tournament. So just off of that, that play in, uh, line, if you will, just, uh, just ahead of that. So, uh, in the field as of today, obviously a lot more season to go. And frankly, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting how they navigate this injury situation, Beyond the Temple game, because the Temple game, they re- they only used eight scholarship players in that game. Uh, Alex Lomax is now out with a groin injury. Malcolm Dandridge continues to be out with an ankle injury. Jaden Hardaway continues to be out with, I think, a, a leg Hip. injury of some kind. Hip injury. Hip injury. Um, not entirely sure when they're coming back, other than it sounds like Jaden's the closest to coming back. Malcolm may not be that far behind and it feels like it's going to be quite a bit until we see Alex Lomax again. Um, you address this in your mailbag over at commercialpeel.com. Where's your, like what, how would you uh, assess the injury situation right now in terms of like when you expect them to come back and how Memphis can kind of overcome or cover up what these guys were bringing to the table for them? Well, I mean, uh, so, so first of all, I, I think Jaden Penny said on the radio last night that he thinks Jaden has got a pretty, you know, like he he's kind of targeting Sunday's game at Cincinnati as a return for Jaden. Um, he will have missed four games at that point uh, with his hip injury. Um, so, so that's good news uh, there. And then I, you know, he's a little less. Um, Concrete with uh, with his timeline for Malcolm Dandridge, but I, uh, I, I like I I would say there's a very remote possibility that he plays Sunday, uh, but if I were putting you know money down on it, I would say probably the next game, and I don't know off the top of my head when that is. Um, You're talking about after the Cincinnati game? Yeah, it's a home game. I know. Um, but I can't remember who, who it, they play SMU at home Thursday, January 26th. There you go. So like a little more than a week away from that. And by that, and and that would be, 
pretty much right at six weeks since his ankle injury, which if you Google grade two ankle sprain recovery time, it's four to six weeks. So, uh, you know, if I don't think it's too much of a stretch to think that that um, Malcolm could be back on the floor for that SMU game. Uh, Alex is going to be out a little bit longer than that, uh, maybe even a couple weeks more than than that. Uh, you know, with his with his groin situation, I do know that it is not season ending, um, Alex Lomax's uh, injury, but it's going to take some time for him to get back get back right and get back healthy. Now, as far as how they can overcome, I mean, really, they've been playing without Jaden and Malcolm, so like, you know, we've seen that uh, the biggest the biggest issue since Malcolm went out has been the rebounding. Like they're giving up and 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 also uh, points per game. Like they're giving up. Mm-hmm. Before he went out, they were giving up like sixty five points a game. Since he's gone out, they're averaging their their scoring defense is like seventy something. Like it's it's ten or twelve points more per game with him out. Um, so I. I now, especially with Alex Lomax out as well, your best on ball defender, I don't think that you're there's just really not a whole heck of a lot you can do um, except just continue to as far as the defense is concerned, except just to continue to try to do what you've been doing all along and hope guys step up, you know, next man up, all that stuff. Um, and then, of course, the rebounding situation. I mean, Yes, Malcolm was only averaging what four, four and a half rebounds a game when he went out, but I don't think that the numbers, you know, the 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 cold hard stats tell, you know, like his value, the full story of his value. I think just him being out there uh, was was, you know, it, it, he was impactful in other ways. You know, like he may not have gotten the rebound, but just him being out there helped someone else possibly get the rebound. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, we've already seen, uh, in this last game against Temple, he, he, uh, Penny has changed the starting lineup. He's got KO, um, in the starting lineup now, and he says he's going to keep him there. Personally, I think that is more of a, of a situational thing. Like, cause tell me what you think about this. If you don't play like the way KO is playing right now. Uh, he scored two points against Temple, zero rebounds. He had a few blocks, um, you know, like, and, and, you know, Penny says he's getting better. And I, and I believe that, like, I do think he's progressing. I do think he is getting a better grasp on everything, the offense and the defensive principles and all that stuff. Uh, it's just the rebounding thing is re- is really quite troubling at this point. You're six eleven, and you've been in college now for four years you can't play 18 minutes and have zero rebounds. Um, that's like, you know, you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta come stronger than that. Um, so, but like my thought is that Penny is now starting him because if he doesn't, if he doesn't start him, he obviously doesn't trust him in the second half. We've seen that he doesn't, he played five minutes in the second half against temple. Most every other game he's playing, you know, zero minutes in the second half. And so I'm thinking like he's, he's decided if I don't start him, he's going to play four five, six minutes a game. Um, and, and, you know, that's going to be about it. Whereas if I start him, you would give him some, some minutes and see if he's got it. And if he's got it, then we'll keep rolling with him. If not, 
we'll put Chandler and, you know, we'll put Chandler in a little bit later and DeAndre and, and, you know, they'll be Chandler at least will be uh, fresher, deeper into games. Um, and, and you don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to rely on KO down the stretch if he doesn't have it that night. I mean, that's my theory. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think, I think part of it is that I think, honestly, I look at it more like DeAndre Williams has been having trouble with foul trouble and mm. get putting KO in there, even if it's like for five or 10 minutes at the beginning of each half, it means those are, those are five or 10 minutes when DeAndre Williams doesn't have to cover a five, you right. know, um, it's, you know, now they were playing Chandler Lawson too. Um, mm. so I, I kind of look at it more in those terms. It gives you, um, you know, some, some rim protection that you don't have otherwise. Um, and it, that helps your defense, especially, you know, this team's weakness defensively is really, I mean, interior, they're not great, but it, the real problems are out on the perimeter. They've had trouble staying in front of people and it's created all these drive and kick opportunities or fouling opportunities. Like they, that, mm-hmm. if you look at the numbers defensively, it's 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 threefold in terms of what why they've dropped off defensively. They've been terrible at preventing offensive rebounds. One of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the country right now. Mm-hmm. They foul a lot and give yep. teams a lot of free throws. Okay, and uh, teams are increasingly shooting pretty well from three point range against them too. Um, but really, the two main issues are fouling a lot. And giving up offensive rebounds. If they got, if they were just average at those things, like they have the 34th ranked defense in terms of efficiency, I think this would be a top 10 defense. If they were just average at those things. Yeah. But I've I've seen enough evidence now. I don't know if they're going to get average at those things. It's going right. to be more about having to cover them up right. somehow. Um. So. Um. And I don't know, you know, K. I understand why he doesn't trust Ko because Ko, like everyone, looks at him and goes, "He's great defensively because he blocks shots." But what they don't sort of notice is the nuance of, well, when he gets taken out on the perimeter, if you watch carefully, he's either fouling guys or getting, you know, confused in pick and roll coverage and switching coverage. You know, like he didn't play in the second half against UCF because UCF was playing all guys that were going to be out on the perimeter. And yep. he wasn't even going to be able to block shots because he was going to have to defend someone on the perimeter. Right. And then you add in the fact that he's not helping your rebounding. You know, it's right. not like he's rebounding. Right. Um, and I just think his defensive impact, it looks better than it is because he gets a couple block shots every time he's out there. But, like, I think people overlook, like, how many other, like, instances are teams getting layups off the fact that he's kind of – you know, there's out a reason position. Penny doesn't trust him, but like kind of is out of position. Well, um, well, yeah, if you pay attention, especially, I mean, like there were a couple of times in that Temple game where uh, it wasn't Temple that was pushing him around under the basket. It was his own teammates trying to get him in posi- in the correct position, um, you know, where he was supposed to be on the floor during that particular uh, situation. So like, yeah, it's just, it's, I mean, like I, I again, I, I think do, there's a role for him, and I think sure. like you know, playing him ten to twenty minutes, depending on how he's playing, is that's the role. 
Yes. You know, like yes. if he's playing really well, you you know, you extend it out to maybe 20 minutes. Correct. If he's not, you know, like I, I understand if Penny's only going to give him 10 minutes. I get it. Yep. Um, and, and, to me, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say Penny, you know, Penny has said a couple of times here lately that he, you know, seems to get it in practice and he's doing well in practice. But then when the lights come on, he gets nervous and he just kind of like forgets, um, you know, what, what, what he's, what his job is. And, uh, I, I think that can be overcome. Like if you can just sort of get past that threshold, um, then, then, you know, you're going to be that much better for it. And, and I do believe that he will get there. There will be games where he probably gets six or eight, six straight rebounds. Um, but you know, I, I, I think, I think it's more of a strategic move, uh, starting him, you know, you see what he's got. And if he doesn't have it, then you then you cut bait and uh, and go some go go somewhere else. But I, yeah. I do think eventually he is going to help this team more than what he is right now. No, and I think honestly, I think the same applies with Jonathan Lawson. I think that's yep. either treat he's treating both of them the same way. If you got it, I'll give you more minutes. If you don't, I'm going to be quick to sit you. Like that's yeah. kind of how he's dealing with it. Um, no, I really think in terms of covering this all up. I mean, ultimately, I think you know, like. I think one of the problems against Temple was Keontae Kennedy was pretty terrible in that game. And I don't know if they can, you know, uh, and he was pretty good against UCF. Um, and obviously Elijah McCadden was good against UCF. Like they need those two guys to play well. McCadden has by and large played pretty well lately. Kennedy's been more up and down in terms of what he's contributed, but he's like one of the few guys. I don't know if you trust him to hit an open shot, but he can hit an open shot, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then Demarie Franklin has looked, you know, has been very kind of meh in terms of his impact since coming to the team. Um, he certainly has not looked like the player Penny Hardaway talked about before he got eligible. Um, like, to me, those three guys are the ones who end up helping cover this up, even though they're not necessarily – you know, the same position as Malcolm Dandridge, for instance. Um, that, that's how they're going to have to do it. And then it's going to come down to, you know, Kendrick Davis being one of the best players in college basketball. And like that, that's what they, he's going to have to be special every game. Like, that's kind of what's been proven out. It's going to have to be a killer every game. Yeah. Um, or most more, more often than not. No, I mean, like as far as Demario Franklin goes, I, I mean, he still has only played eight games uh, since this past March, since last March, since almost a year ago. So, I, you know, like say what you want about me, whatever, it, whatever it says about me, but I'm willing to give him a little bit more leeway here. Um, you know, he came in late. He didn't get here till September. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, number two, he hasn't played uh, or he, until December 13th. He had not played a game since March. Um, Elijah McCadden, it took him a while to get going. And now, you know, he's averaging what, like, nine or 10 points a game over the last 10 games. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, some guys, it just takes a little bit longer. I, th- I do think one, the one thing I'll say about Demarie, I think he is deep in his, uh, in his head. Like, I think mm. he is pressing, uh, hard. And I think the sooner he can just sort of get out of his own head and play freely, the better off he'll be. So, you know, we'll see how long it takes him to do that. But I think, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I feel about him kind of the same way I feel about Kale. Eventually, they'll turn a corner, and um, 
and and I you know it'll it'll Memphis will be that much better for it. Well, so coming up, they've got a home game against Wichita State, and then a road game Sunday afternoon at Cincinnati. Again, two like the Wichita State game. Frankly, you can't lose. This is by no. my by my estimation the worst Wichita State team since two thousand nine. Um, yeah, two thousand nine. If you base it on Ken Palm, um, they're one twenty one in Ken Palm right now. They have one. They have a terrible offense. Two hundred forty second in the country. Um, Craig Porter is a nice player. They have Jaquan Walton, who's a former uh, player, former team Thad guy, who Penny. Uh, was recruiting when he first got the job, but he's been injured lately, uh, an Alabama transfer. Um, but this is a team that, you know, it it lost its first three conference games and then to UCF, ECU, and Cincinnati. One on the road at South Florida and then needed a dramatic comeback to beat Tulsa at home this past weekend, a Tulsa team that is probably the worst team in the league this year. Oh, they were, um, they were down 14 to U.S. to South Florida in the second yeah. half, too. They, they, they had to come back against both those teams. Though Wichita State sounds like, you know, the, you know when they joined the league a few years ago, they were riding high with, with Greg Marshall. This is a bad team this year. You can't really – it, you can't lose this game. Cincinnati won a little more tricky. Different. That's yep. a tough place to win. Um they they've been playing better of late. Um, you know, they, they you know they're 71 in Ken Palm. They're like, you know, I don't think they're a tournament team, but you know, they they're probably, you know, if you go by who's going to finish in the top 5 or 6 of the league this year, Cincinnati's probably one of those teams. You know, one of those 5 or 6 teams would be my guess. Um obviously they have Landers Nolly uh on the t- on the roster this year. He's a um, leading scorer. Yeah, leading scorer. So um, that'll be an interesting subplot as well. Uh, but two games, frankly, like you know, ultimately, I, I don't know. Again, if they lose, if they lose to Wichita State, it's really bad. If they lose at Cincinnati, it's not something you can't recover from. But like ultimately, if you want to be a team that's not sweating it out on the bubble on Selection Sunday, which is what this team has said they want to be, you don't lose at Cincinnati. That's what it comes well, down to. Yeah, I mean, like the other part of this, is Cincinnati's like eighty-four. I think as we sit here today, they're like eighty-four in the net. Yeah. And uh, if they can somehow figure out a way, Cincinnati to finish in the top seventy-five, that's a quad one game. Like you know, it looks like Tulane's going to end the the road game, the road loss at Tulane's going to end up being quad one. Like like I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but like Tulane looks really good. Like I don't think they're going to lose many more games this year. Um, yeah, they're, I mean, they're playing Houston tonight. Um, that's good at be, home. I we'll think see. this podcast will come out afterwards. We'll see. Maybe we're tough. Maybe they can upset Houston. Who knows? I think Houston's going to have their hands full tonight, honestly. Um, yeah. but yeah, we'll see how, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, um, yeah, so no. And I think I, there's a chance that, uh, or a really good chance that the UCF road loss the other night, uh, is going to be a quad one game. You missed on, on that one. You missed on the two lane one. If it feels like it's you know you need you, you kind of need you don't need it you don't need to beat Cincinnati to to it's not going to make or break your NCAA tournament chances but it could it could certainly just make life a lot 
easier on you down the stretch if you be if you win that game. Uh, yeah, tournament teams win that game. Let's yeah. let's put it that way. Um, you know, and then uh, you know, and then you got SMU Tulsa after that. Two games you can't lose. Then nope. you get a rematch with Tulane. I don't, you know, you don't want to lose that. Like basically, you know, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of landmines in the AAC, and uh, that's just, you know, it's going to be a lot of situations like Temple, where, you know, if it's close and coming down the stretch, you're going to be really, it's nerve wracking because, you know, that's just the situation it is in the AAC. These teams, it's tough to win on the road, but in terms of the numbers, the data. You know, it's not viewed that way. So uh, um, it will be uh, be interesting. I, I'm really interested to see how this team, what what that Temple game does for that team. Because obviously, you know, by and large, aside, you know, they played about, what, 25 minutes of great, pretty good basketball against UCF. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, since they got back from the holiday break, they have not been the same team, Memphis. Even I include that Temple game. You know, most of that, they look kind of meh. Um, and same goes for the ECU game. You know, they played one good half against ECU. They played like 10 good minutes against USF. Um, but they haven't, we have not seen the same team yet tr- for a large, for an extended amount of time. Uh, since conference play began, and I'll be interested to see if maybe this Temple game, the way they won it, um, spurs them to uh, you know regain some of that momentum. Yeah, well, if you're looking for momentum, then uh, then then you know Thursday's game is is a good one to get some. Like Wichita, there's only like 12 teams worse than Wichita at, at shooting the three. Mm-hmm. Um, like Temple is even better than Wichita, and Memphis held them to four. Let's just put it this way. They're, well, they're not. I'll say this: they're not worse than Memphis at shooting three pointers. They are. Oh, they are. They are. I'm telling you, like they're they're like 343rd or something in the country. No, so in three point percentage, Memphis is 306. Wichita State. Oh, you are correct. Is 341. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's so, just put it in that context. They are a worse three point shooting team than Memphis. And and again, worse than Temple, which Memphis is held to four of 29 at Temple. So. Like again, if you're if you're try, if you're trying if if you look at this as an opportunity to continue to build momentum towards something great, this is a this is a good next step. Or it presents you with a good next step. Now, that being said, about their three point shooting, they're really good defensively. Wichita State is very very good defensively. They don't foul hardly ever. Teams are averaging thirteen and a half free throw attempts against Wichita State. Well, they per- also play a. Re- it's it's going to be a lot like the UCF game. They want to play a slower tempo, and yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if Memphis, with that, with you know, if they don't, if they again only have eight scholarship guys, they're not going to be able to press like they want to, and right. so that that might make things interesting um, yeah. because of the temp. It's going to be a, you know, Memphis is going to want to up the tempo. Um, I, I I really believe that, but yeah, it's a terrible shooting. T- it's a it, listen. It's a home game. And it's not a good Wichita State team. You got to win it. So um, we shall see. Hopefully they do. Um, ho- hopefully next time we join you, it's coming off a two and zero week for Memphis uh, because you know every. Well, I know we're supposed to be neutral, or whatever, covering the team. It's just more fun to cover a good team than it is to cover a kind of blah team. So way more fun. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, hopefully that make sure you're checking out all our coverage over at commercialpeel.com. 
Uh, Jason has a really interesting mailbag up right now. You should go check that out with some uh, sort of behind the scenes answers, if you will, um, insider answers. Um, and uh, he'll have uh, plenty of coverage from the Wichita State and Cincinnati games. Till next week, I was Mark. That was Jason. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out at FedEx Forum on Thursday night against Wichita State. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of The Commercial Appeal.